Welcome to Navigating Change, the education podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I am here at long last with Howard Tybal, the Howard Tybal. The Pete Wright. I'm so happy to be doing this. Like you don't ever want to podcast with me anymore. You've gone on, yeah. you do your road show, and then suddenly, oh no, the only time I can podcast is four o'clock in the morning when you're asleep. Pete. I know. Here we uh-huh. go. Uh-huh. No, it's I, listen. I'll make it up to you. Okay, celebrating the here and now. We're going to talk about creativity. You're doing all sorts of great new stuff uh, regarding uh, creativity and uh, and how to uh, create a culture of innovation uh, inside higher ed. And you're gonna really you're gonna you're gonna go bananas here in just a minute. Before we do. Uh, head over to tybalink.com and learn more about our work in education. Subscribe to the show, please, for free. Just click the blue button on the homepage there and uh, subscribe to the mailing list. We'll let you know each time a new episode is released. We would love to see you there. Yes, we would. We're talking about creativity today and all of this great work that you have been doing. You're sort of evolving a new uh, experience for, for institutions. Yeah, tell us about that. So, yes, I have the privilege of working with your alma mater, right? Ah, uh, yes. See you both. And Best it, university it, in the land. Yeah, of course you're going to say that. And it's, it is awesome. It's remarkable. But Kelly Fox, who's the senior vice chancellor, uh, found herself on a plane. This is what I think the story is. And she was reading the book Creativity, Inc., and it occurred to her the learning from this book would be a tremendous thing for her team to start to absorb. This idea of how do we become exceptional but not by being exceptional as individuals, but by being exceptional as a team. We talk about this all the time. Everybody wants to have exceptional teams, but in higher education, the real challenge is how do we break down that we don't work together effectively? This this classic silo mentality and silo structure where if we can find a way to work across these boundaries, We can create even more exceptional processes, systems, and ways of doing things. Do you know that quote? uh, Man, I wish I had it in front of me. There is this, there is a a, a quote in particular that says, we tend to, in our work, we tend to overestimate talent, individual talent, and we underestimate the role of luck in success. Yeah. And so it's interesting about luck. In the, in the breaking down the silos to have cross-departmental conversations, not even cross-departmental decisions, but conversations to learn about what others are doing and, and perspectives from people who don't work in our world, luck shows up. Right. Luck shows up because you all of a sudden hear something that never occurred to you before. So I'll give you yeah. an anecdote. Uh, we can talk about the workshop, but more importantly, this this to me is uh, was a really nice way of of articulating what it means to bring people from different groups together. So if your facilities, your job is to make sure that you're in charge of and managing the physical plant of your institution. If you're in IT, you've got to focus around technology. If you're in HR, you're talking about people. But what if you bring together facilities folks a subgroup of HR folks, a subgroup of IT folks, maybe people that work on student services, and have a conversation about what are some things we could do that would be innovative but also would help the institution. So when this group came together we, we and as a result of the workshop, which was teaching them these mechanisms from Pixar, when they came together to discuss this, one of the facilities folks said, you know, 
we have to inspect these buildings, uh, the roofs on these, and they're they're a little dangerous. So as they're talking about this, they have a process, and it works, and it costs what it costs. And somebody in that group said, "Why don't we Why don't we propose uh, getting a drone and have the drone inspect the roofs? And instead of having to climb the roofs and and have to deal with the safety with that, that we integrate that into our practice. Now, it was only because there were people sitting there who were not part of this is how we always do it, was that able to be revealed. You, you, I could give you a series of probably 20, 30, 20 or 30 examples like that that came out of the learning this group went through. Right. It, 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 and that's what I love so much about this whole process that you're talking about here, because you're attempting to normalize or internalize or rationalize synchronicity. This is the, this is the outcome that comes only as a result of putting people who don't normally interact with one another in the room together in the same space. It starts mm-hmm. with a leader who's less interested in control and more interested in giving her or his people freedom to explore. Yeah. And most leaders are trying to control their people's actions and behaviors. And but they said they they would say they wouldn't. This is a way of saying I'm really going to turn this over to a large group of people to explore how we want to evolve. You know, at the end of this program, so we, we did this a couple – we first did it with 50 people. Then we did it with 150 or 140 people. And one of the insights I had afterwards, and I had said this to Kelly Fox, I said, you know, your problem going forward is not going to be the ideas. It's going to be keeping up with people now because you're setting them yeah. loose. This, yeah. is a, this is a process of saying how can we get our people to actually take – responsibility, ownership, and enthusiasm for wanting to be part of making change happen. This is what I've been working with. And that's why it's so exciting for me, Pete, because this is a group that wants to see that evolve and they want to grow as individuals and teams. Well, I I want to talk about that. I, 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 I'm going to leave it to you which way we take this conversation yeah. now. I'd love to talk about, one, the nature of the 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 process that you are evolving and, and the steps that you go through to encourage teams to uh, to move in this direction. And uh, on the other hand, I'm very interested in hearing more, some more of the specifics around how CU approached this and what they're doing to both enable this culture and, uh, and, and do so in a way that is feasible. Uh, which way would you like to go with it for now? Well, so I'm going to weave it. I'm going to try and pull those two things together. One is something that I've been doing, which is helping people envision a future, not based on constraints, but based on having this future present in our minds, picking a date and saying, we've had this phenomenal success. Let's describe it. And let's describe it with headlines. So I've been doing this independent of this program, and I've discovered that that is a powerful way to get people to step back and say, all right, who do we want to be and what do we want people to say about us? So that in itself opens a different kind of thinking. And if you get people together who work in different areas but report up, for example, to one group, it's a way to say, who, who, what does our future look like? Not how are we going to get there, but who we want to be. All right. So that was part of our process. 
But as we dug into this further, what's so exciting for me about this is the Pixar mechanisms, as Ed Catmull talks about it, represent ways of really breaking down a sort of an individual mindset. So I'll give you an example. One of the one of the mechanisms that Pixar uses is something called, they call dailies. And a daily is basically way before any portion of their animation is complete, they will take snippets, bring together their director, their animator, as well as other animators, and they will show it to each other. And the daily's point was to show incomplete work and while it's incomplete, to take feedback. When I present that idea to hired institutions, everybody agrees that it's very hard to show incomplete work, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you even know this, right? Yeah. I know oh, yeah. this. I want it to look good. I want it to look right. And what the message here is, we're going to get a better product as a result of showing incomplete work and giving ourselves feedback. Now, what does this require? It requires letting go of ego. It also requires that you recognize what Pixar recognized is that when you do something for the first time, and Ed Catmull talks about this, I'm going to use a I'm going to use a bad word. He says, "Our movies, when we first create them, they suck, and our job is to come together to take what we know, which is a lousy product, and improve it, and iterate on it." And that, to me, is such a powerful and important example for institutions to start practicing. So in this workshop, we incubate and practice that, but then people take that idea out and they start giving themselves permission to give each other feedback and take feedback. That, I think, is the most important thing. That is my point, that it is often more challenging. Even, let's just say, I uh, am to a point where I want to show incomplete work so that I can get feedback. Often, the feedback that I get from uh, people I work with, from teams, from clients, is it's incomplete. I can't fully understand it until it's in a greater uh. place of completeness. So while <laughs> it's you have to let go of ego as somebody who's on a team creating something new, you also have to be willing to stretch your mind and be able to try to visualize what how to get incomplete work to complete work without judgment. That is the other side of the very same coin that we don't know how to do as managers. Okay, that's very good. But let's let let's break that down because I think the 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 incorrect thinking in that idea that visualize the endpoint no visualize the next iteration exactly yeah. right i think most of us if i show you something incomplete you're you're going to jump to so what's the end state here if we can't see it what i can see is an incremental thing that will help you so then you're going to put that in place you're going to make it think about writing this is very much mm -hmm. like writing an article or a book. How many iterations do you go through and you step back and you reread it and you discover that you have a new way of looking at it? So this is about finding ways to encourage people who have a perspective about what you're trying to do to be involved in giving that and receiving that feedback. Yeah. So that, that concept of dailies is something that really resonates with people. The other mechanisms that are very powerful and very uh, very relevant to our work is the second one they talk about in, in the book is research trips, is going to where we want to have that impact. And, and you and I have talked about this, 
this idea of uh, when we talked about Doug Dietz from General Electric going to see this MRI machine and discovering that this little girl is terrified of it and discovering only because he came to the hospital that he could turn this into into an adventure. And by putting these decals, it actually looks like something out of Disney World. And kids go from being terrified to loving it. And he never Mm -hmm. would have gotten there if he didn't make that research trip. This is true for us on our college campuses. We need to get out of our offices and go to the places. So if we put a new system in place, we put a new procurement system in, go to someone's office and say, I want to watch you do this. How is it working out? And it's the difference between you doing good work and recognizing whether the good work produced the outcome you're looking for. So that's the second thing is getting out there and and having conversation. This is not managing by walking around. Mm, <laughs> that's not what we're no. talking about. No, that's right. This is not like, hey, uh, just want to make sure you see me, right? I'm, I'm the manager. This is about getting in there and being open to maybe we're not serving the people the way we think we should. But if we're trying to do something, we need to be in their space to see what they're what they're looking for. I'll give you another one that's really interesting. They talk about the power of limits. Or the perfectly shaded penny that no one's ever going to see. I love that simplicity, right? So you look at a penny, and if you were to animate a penny uh, for an animator, they could take days, weeks, or months to get it perfect. It's like there's never – it's never perfect, right? They look at it. There's always one more thing. And the question is, when is good enough good enough? And I think for most of us, especially people who are in administration and academics, I think, in a different way – there is a mindset about getting it perfect. For a finance person, it's got to balance out to the penny. And the truth is, for most things, it doesn't have to. And we need to watch ourselves to not fall into this idea of perfection and set our own limits. So what happens here, just to give you a flavor of what happens when we bring people together, imagine individuals from the uh, technology, from infrastructure and safety, from budget, from the uh, HR area, from IT, and so on, coming together, learning these mechanisms, and then being invited to say, we're going to give you a chance to make a proposal back to a team that's going to evaluate these And for those proposals we get excited about or think there's real merit, we're going to give you funding. 60 proposals came back. And the buzz around campus around this, as I heard about it, was people feeling so engaged, people learning about who works in other areas, people going out and doing research trips. And what I'm discovering in this is this untapped energy that I've been looking for uh, to have play out in college universities. And I'm seeing that that they are taking this very seriously. And they're going to continue to do this. So meaning they're going to continue to find other groups that may be interested in doing this. 
on the academic and administrative side. It sounds like it's like creating an internal sort of incubator or a shark tank or a Kickstarter, right? To to get people exactly. excited and and get and then then get funding, right? So that was the first time they did it. Is this a continuous thing? Are they still evaluating who won? Well, that's great. So the second time they so the first time they did it was fifty people, and then they went four and five levels down the, within the organization, and we we did this event and this experience sort of immersion uh, with 140 people. We're doing it again with another group in and out of the actual CU campus. And what's interesting that's beginning to get uncovered is if you think about proposals and funding, those are fundamentally incentives, right? This is a way to say to people, make time for this in the course of your daily work, because it's very hard. You go to a wonderful retreat, the nature of what you try to produce often stops there, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You create a great mood for individuals, and next thing you know, a month later, nothing changes. Yeah, so exactly. by making proposals and funding, you incentivize people. But what's interesting is I'm hearing from managers now and vice presidents who are saying, you know what? This is something if we can start to continue to train people to think – if someone presents me and my group an idea that not only has merit but could actually provide either new revenue or cost savings, I'm going to take my existing budget and find a way to do it as opposed to a central group saying we're going to allocate $25,000. In developing the proposal process, teams were learning how to present a proposal that shares the merit of the an idea and in what way it's going to benefit the institution. And that's a practice also that needs to happen more. Most of us know how to describe what we want to do. Most of us are not very good at describing the benefit we, that it's going to produce. You have been uh, doing some more, in addition to your teaching and facilitating in this area, you've been doing some writing on the subject. Uh, do we have a sense of, of, can you tell us about your latest piece? Yeah, so I got asked by Carla Hignite from Nakubo, they write a uh, they they have a periodic it might be in paper too but I think it's the, an e blast associated with something called the HR Horizons, and Carla approached me and asked me about uh, my interest in writing about something that has a focus that HR professionals would care about, and I can tell you that this very much is something that many HR groups are talking about, which is how do we cultivate our workforce? And this is fundamentally that idea. So I've been working with Myrna Jacobson at CU in actually cultivating this program. So what's, what I'm writing is an article that specifically breaks down the nature of uh, this way of engaging your group talking about some of the mechanisms and talking about also some of the benefits and actual projects that came out of it. So this should be coming out sometime in February. That's fantastic because this you think about the relationship of this to HR professionals, this kind of thinking inside the organization is a retention policy. Mm. This keeps people happy doing That's their right. work when they feel like they're engaged across teams. That is it's beautiful. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's such a great insight, Pete. You know, I was just talking with a group yesterday I was leading, and I said to the group, uh, money is not the primary reason why people stick around. Yeah. Or sure. why they leave. Right. They leave because they have lost that sense of engagement and they don't see the opportunity to grow. They're not playing. This builds in play mm -hmm. in your work in a way that 
that uh, most of it's most of the time I think we've been we've we've trained play out of our work so often and too often higher ed is looking within itself to try and figure out how to innovate. This is an example, and this is where I give Kelly so much credit, looking outside of education to say, how can we improve? And looking at an animation company as a mechanism, that's a real testament to what we have to be doing more is there's great work happening outside of education that we can bring inside. This is just a perfect example of that. That's wonderful. It is a great experience, and uh, you know, any any plan, time you get to watch movies in in school, I'm in favor of that. Wasn't that great? Remember that? You little <laughs> God. What what do you uh, what do you have coming up? Anything big you want to uh, tell people about? Just more great engagements with different folks at different institutions. I think we've got a uh, a talk coming up with independent schools, uh, which I'm really excited about at NBOA. You know what's going on. What else am I that's, doing? No, that's a, that's the big one. NBOA. I'm excited about about you getting <laughs> back there. I just want to see if, if you remember. Bell. Yeah. Do remember. I even know what I got in front of me? You don't know. What do you know? No. This has no. been great hour. It's, I, it's been... I just go where I'm told, Pete. <laughs> that's how far we've come. You are you're just another cog in the machine, Howard, and it's uh, it's good to have you in place. All right. Well, hey, thank you for your time and attention today. Thank you everybody for downloading and listening to this very show. Go be creative, people. On behalf of Howard Tybel, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Navigating Change, the education podcast from Tybel Inc. Mm-hmm.